This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Are you like a Christmas lights guy? Like, is yes. the Christmas tree up yet? The Christmas tree is up, but I didn't put it up. My wife okay. did all that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not my thing. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. Day one, the New Year's Day pay-per-view event, streaming live, WWE Network on Peacock, right around the corner, rapidly approaching. We've got so much to get to for all things SmackDown, Raw, and NXT. And of course, joining me as he does every week, the Hobbs to my Calvin Ooh. The voice of NXT 2.0, Vic Joseph. Vic, what's the word, my friend? I give you a lot of credit that every single week you keep me on my toes with what reference you're going to throw in. This week, superb French kiss. I think you mean chef's kiss, not French chef's kiss. kiss. Vic. You're making things weird right out of the gate nah, here. My bad. It's understandable. You're all fired up. You're excited. It's been a hell of a week for NXT. We kicked things off on Sunday night. War Games, WWE Network. You were there from start to finish. What were your takeaways from the most brutal night recently in NXT? Takeaways in the first five minutes of the show is I finally got you to crack a smile this morning by messing up French kiss and chef's kiss. So that kind of made me smile. Well, your your inability to master the English language is always entertaining. To it's me. amazing. Everything I've done talking for a living and I still screw it up weekly. Uh, when it comes to war games, that is a special event for me because it's one that you and I have talked about that I was a fan of from WCW. So to be able to sit there and call those types of matches, it never gets lost on me. But it was a new crop of talent, the, the next wave of the NXT superstar, so to speak. So to see the men and the women step up, had some fun stories like hair versus hair. Duke Hudson has now turned into such a fun character. Cameron Grimes, who's been on After the Bell, is such a great character already. And then to have... The very interesting story of Joe Gacy and Roderick Strong and the 205-pound weight limit was just fun to be a part of and to have Wade and Beth Phoenix for her final show on NXT. It was a very cool night when you wrap it all together. Yeah, I watched it uh, start to finish, actually, Sunday night after my Steelers somehow eked out a victory over the Ravens, uh, which we shall not discuss because this is not a football podcast. This is the WWE podcast. But uh, I, I thought the men's war games match ended the night with such an exclamation point, incredible effort by everybody involved. I loved the interactions, the little callbacks to DIY when Gargano and Champa were working together against Braun Breaker, who once again, surprise, looked like a total badass monster in war games. I just thought it was a really, really fun night. Shout out to uh, Cora Jade's big moment coming off the top of the cage and Dr. EO uh, comes coming to save the day. That was very, very unique. I don't know that I've ever seen that in a, in a match, particularly on a WWE event. Uh, I thought it was a really, really fun night. And you, you mentioned the new wave, the next wave, the, the tides have turned, so to speak. NXT now belongs to the young guns. And we talked about it on here, why that's exciting for me. While it may not be my NXT or your NXT, even what you, you relate to when you got your start. Uh, but I like the direction of where everything's going. 
it takes time. It's a change. It's a work in progress. Is it perfect? Is it final form yet? NXT 2.0? No, it's still being tinkered with and tried. You, you probably can speak to this better than I can from being there in a production standpoint and just the overall vibe of the show is in flux, but it's all moving, in my opinion, in a very positive direction. You bring up the Cora Jade and EO interaction from War Games. What's interesting is you and I have watched a lot of sports entertainment. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably watched a lot of sports entertainment, and that was so unique, and that's kind of the the brainchild of trying to reinvent the wheel from Johnny Russo and Matt Bloom and Shawn Michaels. And to see them come up with different ideas on how to do things, and then the talent goes out there and and executes it, you're right. It's not perfect, but we're all not perfect. And it's been fun to be there. It's I hate to say from the ground up. I don't know if that's proper to say because it was established already, but it's a fresh coat of paint. It's trying to redo some new things and add a cool little spin on it and bring it to the year 2021, almost 2022 with different things of using the word going viral and guys coming out with cell phones. And you've seen it with Austin Theory right? on Raw. It's a, it's a different way of doing things. It's the evolution of what we do. And you need youth in the business, period. If you don't have the next generation prepared, then, you know, where do you go from there? And I think that's what this is all about. I also want to give a shout out to Carmelo Hayes because Carmelo Hayes started that men's war games match. And I think he's someone who is really, uh, from my vantage point, has upped his game and has made a transition from this baby face in the breakout tournament to a whole different character. And it was with it was with ease that he did it. It was with the addition of Trick Williams. Those two guys really have stood out to me and have been able to tell great stories and have backed it up with what they do in the ring. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to Pete Dunn, who was in the men's war games match this past Sunday. He'll be joining us in a little bit. Want to get Pete Dunn's opinion on Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes is a guy that I actually sent a tweet out during takeover uh, during war games just to, to about how impressed I've been with the guy. I think he's got all the tools to be a big time star, a big time player in NXT and perhaps beyond, maybe on Raw, maybe on SmackDown, because there's something about him. He's got a charisma, a personality, looks cool. That interaction in ring with him and Johnny Gargano to kick things off in war games, that's what inspired my tweet because I went, wow, that was really, really exciting and just fluid and the movement and the motion. I just really liked everything about it. I definitely think Carmelo is a guy that, that has a very, very bright future. It's fun to get the feels again, isn't it, Graves? Once in a blue moon. I've had the feels a couple times this week. Uh, I've seen actually, your social media. I've, yeah, I've seen yeah. the social media. Well, post. you know, you, listen, man, <laughs> I, I can't do anything right in the eyes of, you know, the mouth breathing neck beards who populate the wrestling Twitter community. The um, meat puppets is what Wade Barrett refers to him as. Ah, uh, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. It's uh it's exhausting. That's why I don't spend too much time on there. I, I stick and move. I get in there, drop my statement. I know people are going to be pissed off. So then I, you know, fade away into oblivion for a few days, but, uh, yeah, if if you feel confident enough to send me a, and that's what it's weird. I see you got me on a tangent. Now. I put a quarter in the ride. Here we you go. Did, because I had fully intended on speaking positively about Friday Night SmackDown and Brock Lesnar, which I guess I imagine I'll get to. But the fact that we are in such a place as a society and a that entertainment culture that people feel so confident that they will put these statements out, and, and it's an unwinnable situation. It's constantly if I say something, I'm punching down. They are always right. I'm never, it's as though I am not the freaking color commentator on the longest tenured television wrestling show in the history of the business. It's not as though I sit in production meetings with some very, very influential, powerful people in this industry. It's not as though I get to learn from some of the greatest minds in the business on a weekly basis and get to have interactions with people who have been some of the biggest stars this industry has ever produced. It's not as though I know what the hell I'm doing because some idiot with thumbs doesn't like the outcome of a situation on a TV show that I have no control over, but because I work for the dreaded evil empire, somehow I, my opinion is less valid. Uh, it's, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting off my soapbox because it, this is, this is just giving them fuel. And then, and then they like, Oh, see, he, he responded. Oh yeah, we got him. If well, you, you, you got off you the said, horse and you got back on the horse, Graves. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put, put the horse down. Basically, don't talk to me on social media. Unless you're here to tell me how great I am, don't send me tweets. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. 
I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. I thought you were extremely great this past Monday on Raw, and what a way to kick things off. Steel Cage. Steel Cage match. Big E versus Kevin Owens. A rivalry has been brewing for uh, several weeks. Uh, and, and listen, we've talked about it over the past several weeks. Big E has been busting his ass to be a credible WWE champion. And Kevin Owens just doesn't have bad matches. Period. Kevin Owens goes out at... You may not like KO. You may not like you know the, the character surrounding Kevin Owens or the, whatever he's doing story-wise. But Kevin Owens delivers every time he gets in the ring. And, and I think that's why it was a great way to kick off the night. E and KO. Then you see Rollins enter the fray as we head toward day one, which I think is going to be incredible. Then during the commercial break, which is something I, I haven't seen happen on Raw or SmackDown in a long time, Bobby Lashley comes out, lays waste to everybody, and then leaves because that's just what Bobby Lashley does. Almighty badass stuff. And I'm here for it each and every week. Uh, but, but the story that, that everybody still is talking about from this past Monday on Raw was Liv Morgan, Becky Lynch. Liv's first chance to become Raw Women's Champion. Uh, I thought it built really, really cool. We were talking before we got on the air, you, you and I, me and the, our producers, just about how the vibe of the whole night felt bigger than your typical Raw. It felt very similar, and I'm sure that was by design. It, it felt like something special was about to happen in the video packages and the significance of Trish and Lita on that same date 16 or 17 years prior and Trish Stratus texting Liv Morgan. It really, really felt like something special was going to happen. And you know what? It did because no, Liv Morgan did not become Raw Women's Champion, but Liv Morgan, in the opinion of me and many, many people watching, took that next step. Liv Morgan broke out of the role she had been in for the past several years. To me, and I don't think I'm alone in this, Liv Morgan made herself a credible main event player on Monday night. Well, it goes back to what you were just talking about with the uh, people that send out the tweets. You can get a lot more in this industry from losing than from winning. There's and an old it's adage. Not two, one person goes over, two people get over. And, and it's not just what happens in the ring in wins and losses. Storyline-wise, Liv Morgan can up her game, add a layer to the onion by what she learned in her first championship opportunity. And will she? how can she can learn from a mistake and learn from losing? So I thought it was very well done. I also enjoyed the personal touch, the heartstring tug with the, the texts from mom. To, to, to live Morgan. I thought that was a, that was very cool. And you're right. There was a different aura about the show. You start off with what I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, was a 30-ish minute cage match between two of the top guys. The show starts with those promos that get you fired up for what you're about to see. You know you also have Edge and Miz. You know you have an open challenge. And you know you have this Raw Women's Championship main event. Raw's been cooking right now, by the way. I agree. I think I think Raw is definitely on the verge of of really finding itself once again. It's there it was a transition period, and, it, and obviously the draft. You have different rosters, and it takes a few weeks for for things to get hammered out to get kind of in the groove. But I think Raw has certainly found its groove recently. I got to shout out RK Bro, Randy Orton, and Riddle doing the RK Bronament. I'll be perfectly honest with you: having Riddle on commentary is one of the most difficult aspects of my job because, damn it, I can't keep a straight face. You know, I'm out there usually just spitting vitriol and trying to, you know, spitting daggers and insulting and angry. And man, Riddle just makes me laugh. And, and to see him sitting there beside me, directly to my right, when he says these things, Riddle generally turns at me and actually talks to me while he's doing the commentary. And just to see his big goofy grin and the, the, the light in his eyes, he's like an excited little child. And then he just says some ridiculous stuff. 
two or three times this past Monday. I had to catch myself. Or I was biting, chewing on my cheeks because Riddle was gonna gonna make me break on the air. That dude, he he's magic right now. Him and Orton, I, I, it's one of my favorite things about Monday nights. What the dynamic is between those two. And, of course, Riddle was revealed to be MSK Shaman. So we saw him on NXT on Tuesday nights. He's a busy individual. But when he got in the ring, when he got in the ring to do the interview with AJ Styles and he's holding his earpiece in his ear, I kept – I go, what? Oh, oh, my God. And I was la- – I wasn't even – I couldn't even listen because I was laughing at him literally just holding his ear asking these yeah, it, it was absurd Questions. in the best way possible. Jacket it was, was great, by the way. Your jacket was really smooth, by the way. That was a nice cigar jacket. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed RK Bro and the RK Bronum, and I'm sure we'll get the the finals this coming week. The Mysterios against the Street Profits going to be a lot of fun, no doubt about that one. But we're talking about entertainment value, and what I intended on before you got me all wound up was to talk about the entertainment Sorry. source on Friday nights that I think we would all be lying if we said we expected. That being the beast incarnate Brock Lesnar. We have seen a side, particularly this past week, the interactions with Sami Zayn. One of my, you know, how I feel about Sami. had him on the show recently. One of my favorites, uh, Brock and Sami's interactions were highly entertaining. And we're seeing a side of Brock that we've never seen before. Now that the advocate Paul Heyman isn't out there speaking for Lesnar, we're seeing a bit of personality that you don't often get to see. I'm not, not to say we haven't ever seen glimpses of it from Brock, uh, but but it's so refreshing to just see, oh, my God, Brock Lesnar is a human being sometimes, and he's really funny. Oh, and he's also one of the baddest human beings walking the earth. I it's love interesting. It. I think back to the boom box. Yes. Won, you know, Money in the Bank. Like, you've seen these glimpses. You can go back on the WWE Network on Peacock and, and see what he did in his early stages of his career. But you're right. You don't know what he's going to say because I'm willing to bet that no one handed him a piece of paper and said, here, <laughs> say this. Uh, so you don't know. It's a wild card. And then just when he comes in the rain, he's smiling. And then in the flip of a switch, just beats the holy hell out of Sami Zayn. You're just like, I think, do it again. Do it again. And he's just like, okay whoosh because he can pick him up so easily just so well done and you're right there's another layer to the onion being added to uh, Brock Lesnar which is odd to say because right after this much tenure after as much success as Brock has had and what a legacy Brock has already carved out for himself in WWE history to now this deep at, at this stage in his career be seeing new sides is a real testament to who Brock is as a sports entertainer and, and what a naturally gifted human being he is because to be able to pull that out isn't something you just figure out overnight but it's obviously inside Brock just nobody gets to see it you never get to see that side of, of smiling jovial Brock Lesnar you know we talk about there, there's a thing that went on about Tom Brady has he had three Hall of Fame careers when he break down his different paths Brock Lesnar could be a two-time Hall of Famer based on his first run and his second run. I mean, that's just how great he's been. That's a really, really valid point. No argument from me. I could sit here and gush and wax poetic about the beast Brock Lesnar all day long. But we've got guests, Vic, and I would be remiss if we kept the guest waiting any longer. He is a member, was a member this past Sunday of the NXT black and gold men's team inside war games. He is the bruiser weight. He is Pete Dunn. Pete, we're a few days removed. You were in a grueling war games match. Unfortunately, things didn't turn out in your favor. I got to ask, how are you feeling? Uh, I don't feel too bad, actually. You can see I got a few scrapes and bruises and stuff like that, but that was my third one. So at this point, so it's old hat. I know what I'm going to feel like. Yeah. I know, I know what it's going to feel like, and uh, yeah, just that—that's what NXT is. The takeovers in the past the events is just, you know, you know what you're up for. You're out there, and it's it's real. You know what I mean? Everything hurts. You hurt for a few days, but I'm used to it. It's all good. You mentioned it being your third one. How does one mentally prepare for what the War Games matches are going to do to your body? Yeah, it's it's tough, right? Like you want to go out there, you want to kill it, you want to put on the best show that you can, and that entails. Well, you know you're going to get thrown into metal. There's going to be weapons. There's going to be tables, all sorts of stuff. So definitely for my style, it's a very different mindset, right? Like I've sort of created a style for myself that, you know, it's quite basic in a sense. And I try and just do that to the best of my ability and get the most out of it I can. So it's very different walking into a structure like War Games. But it's, that's an exciting thought too, because like I say, for me, it's something completely different. It's an exciting prospect. You mentioned your unique style, which is definitely one of the things that stands out most about Pete Dunne as a competitor. 
and, and you can see the influences, the Fit Finley style and the William Regal style. But whereas a lot of superstars rely on heavy character work or over-the-top sort of personalities, you really sort of established yourself through your in-ring style above all else first and foremost. How did that come about? How, how did you develop what you do in the ring? So I started wrestling when I was like 12 years old. Um, but I was I was a fan of like AJ Styles, people like that who were flying around the ring. Um, and so originally that's what I wanted to do, but I've realized pretty quick that I was just pretty average when it comes to that that kind of stuff. And I needed to find a niche that, that really suited me. And then also leaning into the fact that I am British, you know, if I could take an element of what made British wrestlers in the past successful, mix that with the style of wrestling that I really enjoyed at the time. And then just things I've picked up traveling around the world and spending, you know, months in Japan and a few months in China and wherever I would go, I would pick up little things that I would like to keep in with what I do, or I would try something and feel like, oh, that doesn't really suit me. That doesn't really work. Um, and just sort of created the style that I feel suits me perfectly. And at this point, I'm not sure I could do anything else, to be honest. I got to ask you, we mentioned war games. The whole theme of NXT this past Sunday night was the black and gold versus NXT 2.0. You're a guy who has put in your time in NXT all the way back to NXT UK. You've had a great deal of success inside NXT, but there's been a massive shift within NXT from a competitor standpoint, from Pete Dunne, a locker room veteran standpoint now in, in the NXT bubble. How has this change affected you? Yeah, I mean, it's a completely different scene there now, right? And uh, and it continues to change. But to me, it's business as usual in a sense, right? Like, I'm still me. I'm exactly the same. And I want to be as competitive as I can. I want to find the best matches I can. Um, and it's just a different a different crew of people to work with and do that. Do Still do me, the same style of match, the same sort of thing, but with a new cast of characters, right? Um, I'm looking forward to different opportunities to work with different guys and uh, and also show them what NXT is about to, you know? Like you said, about preparing for war games. Like, I know what I'm going out there and, and I'm about to do. Um, I think for a lot of these guys now, it's about keeping that same standard that we that we got NXT known for. Like people knew about those takeovers that were going to be hard to follow. And I want to keep it at that standard, right? And it's just bring these new guys in and, and see if they can hang with us. And the ones that do are still going to put out the same quality. It's crazy. Hearing you say that, it resonates to me thinking back just to how many evolutions of NXT there have been. I was an FCW guy, you know, myself, Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, that whole crop of guys. And then, then NXT, as we kind of got to know it, when takeovers became a thing and Brooklyn and all that was red hot, just, just before the, the Pete Dunne era, actually. And by that point, our crew had sort of, you know, moved on or or moved up. And then there was the new breed, which was your Kevin Owens kind of era and and Neville. And, and then you're, you're like yourself start getting sprinkled in and the Undisputed Era and all these guys. And we sort of look back as like, okay, that's not our NXT. It's different. But we, we want, there were certain elements we were sort of adamant that remained like, okay, hey, they, they, they get, it's better for the talent. It's better for the stars. You guys have, you know, a bus to travel in when you're doing live events, et cetera. So there's a lot of important upgrades. I guess what I'm asking is, is there something about NXT and the culture there that is important to Pete Dunne that you're, that you are trying to make sure is instilled in this new crop of people? For me personally, and it, it might not be the way that everyone else looks at it, but to me, the, the in-ring product has always been such a high level there. Um, and you could argue it's the best in the world, right? I want to keep that, right? And obviously with newer guys coming in that maybe don't have the background that people like myself and Ira or, or yourself have had, that's going to feel difficult at first. But if there's ever a place where hopefully we can manage that, it's, I mean, just look at the performance center, you know? You have access to the Robbie Brookside's, to William Regal's, to Fit Finley's, all the way up to the Shawn Michaels, you know? So you really can get a crash course in and what this is. And I just hope that we can keep it to that standard. And I'm sure we can, even, even in this short space of time, you know, we're only one big event in and I'm not sure how long now, but it's still a fairly recent change, but you can see how much the audience are gravitating towards the Brum Breakers, the Carmelos, you know, people like this. So hopefully we're at the start of something that is just the, the next evolution of NXT. But like you say, something remains the same. And I feel like that could be the buzz about the whole thing going back to, you know, your original era all the way through to now. Obviously, things are going to feel different for a while. And it's, you know, there might be a bit of an awkward transition at times. 
But I hope overall there's still that buzz about it and there's still that I can't wait to see what this guy does when he moves moves up to Raw or SmackDown or goes on to do whatever whatever it is that, that we're all going to do. Um, hopefully that buzz remains the same and the in-ring quality can stay to a super high standard. You know, Pete, uh, Corey and I were talking about before you came on about Carmelo Hayes. And Carmelo Hayes, to me, is someone who has really had a change since when he arrived in the breakout tournament to what we see in him now with, with Trick Williams. He was in the War Games match. You've had you've competed against him one-on-one. Braun Breaker's going to get the headlines, but I think it's guys like Carmelo Hayes that are those guys still below the surface that are ready to pop up and really rise to the occasion. I think there's an element with Carmelo where, no, I said the old NXT. This was only a couple of months ago, but there's that <laughs> element of of what what we got to know NXT as in him. I feel like there's a part of that, right? People see him in there with the likes of myself and, and Johnny and people like that, and they see that you know he can really go. But I think they're going to see that about a lot of these guys. You know, um, like you said, Braun Breaker's going to get the headlines, but you know, he's only had a few matches and he's out there tearing it up in a ladder match with Johnny Gargano. You know, that, that's a that's super high-level stuff to be doing so early in his career. So it'd be really interesting to see what people like him can do in the, over the next 10 years, right? I, I think above all else, the important thing would always made NXT special back from its inception was that sort of chip-on-your-shoulder mentality. Everybody in the locker room knew they were working toward a common goal. It started because FCW, we were sort of the redheaded stepchildren. We were on, like, this island that nobody really knew existed in our mind. So we said, all right, screw it. We're going to make everyone pay attention. And then the next, and then it became a game of one-upsmanship. Then you, you Johnny and, and and Tommaso and those guys roll in, and yourself, and it's like raise the bar, raise the bar, raise the bar. But the, but the passion was always the most important thing, and kind of that us versus the world mentality. Do you still have that? Is, is that still something you can feel in the locker room? Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think it changed somewhat along the way. Like maybe in your era of NXT, it was more designed towards we want to get up to Raw and SmackDown and right. show that. That with that level and then at first when I came in there was that but for me I had a weird situation when I came in because I wasn't strictly an NXT guy I was obviously doing the UK tournament stuff and then I was still doing independent shows at the time but I would also get to be on the Raw and Smackdown live events and you know be a part of the Royal Rumble I, I was just scattered all around the scene really so for me it didn't always feel like that and then sinking more into NXT and there almost became a, a, a mindset of we want to make this on the same level as Raw and SmackDown. You know, every takeover we had before a, a main roster show, it was let's try, you know, follow this follow if you this, can, right, kind of thing. Right. Like. So it became less about I want to go up there and do all these things and show that I can hang with these guys and instead make the whole brand, right? We want to elevate it to this point where it's on the same level. Whereas I can see it headed now in a way where it's going back to that older mentality of we want to get up to Raw SmackDown and show show what we can do alongside them. And, and I guess that's fine too. That's what made NXT cool in the first place. It's watching these guys and getting invested in them and then seeing what they move on to to do. Um, so it's just it's just a, another shift. But like you say, it's the same chip on your shoulder. It's the same mentality of, of proving that it's, you know, it's not just the next guys. It's we're right now. We can do this right now. You, you know, for someone like myself and, you know, people like, Johnny and Kyle, and we know that you could send us up right now, and we could tear it up with anyone up there. But of course, there's work to, work still to be done in NXT. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. Stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. You know, I'm, I'm biased because, you know, Pete, you and I have known each other since, I guess, both of us started in the company over in the NXT UK. Brandon... I don't like to say you help build the UK brand, but you certainly are a pillar along with Trent Seven and Tyler Bate and those guys. And you've been raising the bar in your career since the very beginning. We were talking about before we went on air with one of the producers. Do you remember the video of you in uh, Triple H where he said, go make a name for yourself? 
And I would just watch it and your hair was so short. It was like at your ears. And just to see like the transition from then to now, I was laughing about it because I get to know the guy who is Pete Dunn. And you had a smile on your face. I'm like, oh man, he has changed over the years. Yeah, right. It's the, the weird thing for me and Tyler, especially for everyone involved in that tournament, but it, it, in, in the world of wrestling now, it's like, there's no sort of like overnight fame in a way, right? Like it's, it's a real gradual process. Like, you might make your way up on the independence or, you know, in another sport and then find your way into the performance center, work through NXT and, or in, in my case would be get to NXT UK, then NXT and move onwards all the way up to hopefully a WrestleMania moment. For me and Tyler, it was, we went from being relatively unknown. Obviously there was a, a core fan base in the UK and different parts of the world that knew us, but overall being fairly unknown to this new UK tournament thing, which, WWE hadn't seen anything of the light before and we were pushed out there front and center of that and it was literally like overnight fame in this world which is I don't think you're really going to find many people in our generation that would have experienced that so we were literally kids right you know we, we didn't have that that much <laughs> life experience and not, you know, I've been wrestling for a long time but to jump from what the kind of shows I was doing like Regal found me on a show with probably about 40 people in Mansfield in England and within two months, I'm doing backstage uh, promos with Triple H. You know what I mean? It's just, it's such a crazy jump from where I was to to there. So, um, but I wouldn't change it for the world because it's a unique experience. It's a unique way into the company. And uh, obviously that, coming in in that manner, gave me a huge head start. It's funny, Vic, hearing you mention seeing video of Pete smiling. I think I had known Pete for about two years before I even realized he had teeth. <laughs> Always very stoic. Just, just gotta keep to yourself. What makes Pete Dunn tick when you're not in the ring breaking people's fingers? What are you into? Uh, so, <laughs> well, so, so I have a, a three-year-old daughter. She just turned three. Um, oh, okay. So outside of the ring, my my real life is very different, to be honest. Uh, especially with, with my wife and my daughter now being over with me in uh, Florida. Um, it's just a different lifestyle out here. I just try and enjoy as much time as I can. Obviously, being in NXT, I get so much time at home. Um, with my daughter. So I'm just trying to make the most of that because honestly, I thought when I signed to WWE, I was going to be away a lot. Obviously, I didn't have her then, but a couple of years in, knowing that, okay, I'm going to be on the road, I'm going to be traveling a lot and having the luxury to not do that right now. I saw all these formative years in their life and I've been there for absolutely everything and I still get to do the job that I love. So um, yeah, most of my time is spent just being a normal dad to a crazy three-year-old. Crazy dichotomy of the sports entertainment world. One of the most vicious, violent competitors in NXT is like, oh, I just want to hang out with my kid. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah, right. It's absolutely yeah, awesome. Yeah, it, you know, and that's why NXT is perfect for me, right? Like, getting to, to bring her up in Florida and this lifestyle, and it's just very different from, from where I'm from back home. And, you know, I'm young enough that still, eventually, Raw, SmackDown, whatever happens is on the horizon. But right now, I'm just loving the fact that I'm home every day with her and then getting to be a part of NXT still. What have been some of the big changes uh, for you, Pete, since cause you're here now. I mean, you're you're in Florida. You are a Florida native. And coming over from Europe to here, and obviously we all know the COVID pandemic, but what has been the big change for, for you as a, as a person here being in the States? He has a pet alligator now, Vic, of course. I, you never know. Yeah, so, so the toughest thing for us has been obviously with the travel ban and all that kind of stuff. We haven't been able to – well, first of all, we were here and then – all those, uh, all the restrictions came in place and we had to fly back home. So I was stuck in the UK for six months and obviously couldn't couldn't be out here working. Then when we finally got back here, the travel bans were all in place. So we haven't been been able to be home and see family members and stuff, which for me, I know what I signed up for. Obviously, for my family, that's a, a, a different situation. So that, that's been the toughest thing. But overall, I guess the biggest adjustment is just the weather. Like, <laughs> Back home in Birmingham now, it's absolutely miserable. But in Florida, it's December and it's still great outside. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's a huge upgrade. There's a small smile on the face of Pete Dunn right there. That's a, that's a rare occasion. Soaking in that sunshine. That's not right. a bad way to live. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned, Pete, obviously you're still a young guy. You've got a lot, lot more tread on the tires here in WWE. Hypothetically, you end up on Raw, on SmackDown. Looking across the landscape, who's somebody you're excited to work with? Uh, there's so many people up there. Um, Cesaro would be one off the top of my head. Uh, AJ Styles, like I said, he was my favorite wrestler growing up. So that's still one there. But honestly, I look at those 
those rosters on Raw and SmackDown now and go, there's so many people up there that I'd love to work with and uh, I think I could have great matches with. Um, but there's still time, like I say, I've just turned 28 years old. Um, there's still work to be done in NXT. And down the line, though, there's so many people up there I'd love to get in there with. It's a great question that Graves asked about who you're looking forward to facing down the line. I, I'm kind of wondering, who do you look back at NXT UK now and see as that next superstar to break through? Obviously, Dragonoff's really taken some great strides over the last year, but who's the breakout superstar for you in that brand that could come over and make an impact here in NXT? So I'll give you two answers to that. So one that I think a lot of people that follow NXT UK would say would be A-Kid. Somebody I saw... I wrestled him originally in the UK years ago, and he's just not the same person. I remember then going out to Spain a couple of years later and wrestling him and being shocked at what had happened. He was a completely different performer. Um, and in then just seeing this, yeah, you know, like the the transition was crazy from where the level he was at to who he is now. It's yeah. unrecognizable. I'm not sure I've saw anybody improve to that level, um, and he. His in-ring stuff is so slick and all of that, but even outside of that now, I can see him growing in confidence and his, you know, his, the way he talks, the way he walks around, his entrance, everything is just, you can really see him becoming a WWE superstar. Um, and that's, and he's still in that, that transition. So although people who follow it now will know how good he is, I think there's still more to come from him. And then the other answer, uh, which probably some people might not expect, would be uh, Wild Boar. Um, he's somebody I grew up with wrestling and I don't think people fully know just how good he is. And I think he's someone who's pretty untapped and I think there's there's so much more to come from him. Wow, Boar, he has a school, doesn't he? Is it still going over in the UK? Uh, I'm not really sure with the COVID restrictions and stuff, uh, how much he's able to to still keep going. Or, But he definitely did run, run a school in Wales for a long time. He's, he's responsible in a lot of people's career coming out of Wales and People like myself and Mark Andrews and stuff that that whole group of us that, that sort of grew up in wrestling together. There's quite a few guys in there that I don't think people have really saw to their full potential yet, and it's a matter of time. Pete, what are you doing for the holidays now that we know you're a family man? Are you are you a big time Christmas spirit kind of guy, or are you just kind of what you would expect the bruiserweight to be during Christmas? <laughs> yeah, just a just a low key Christmas here in Florida. We were trying to we were going to try and go home for it, but. I say with the world right now, it's not possible. So just going to spend time with my daughter and my wife. And uh, are, are, are you a, are you like a Christmas lights guy? Like is yes. the Christmas tree up yet? Or are you a Christmas movie guy? The Christmas tree is up, but I didn't put it up. My okay. wife did all that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not my thing. Pete, you don't got a 10-foot inflatable in the front yard? You don't got like a, a big snowman? I, think, I thought those were required <laughs> in Florida. Not. When I lived in Florida, I had giant inflatable <laughs> things because I had to overcompensate because we didn't actually have weather. It's a little weird waking up on Christmas Day and seeing sunshine. You know, I, I would feel more yeah. at home in Birmingham on uh, Christmas, you know. Well, the whole street is there's lights everywhere. My house, no surprise, is the one with nothing. So that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate that strategy because I'm looking around now thinking we don't have lights on our house, but we're going to go get just like some signs where you just have to plant them in the ground and it's just an easy fix. I'm not getting on the roof. I'm clumsy enough that I would fall. Listen, I'm, Braves I'm probably yeah. hoping for. I'm like Clark Griswold around Christmas time, oh. man. I was out front. I I got lights all over all over the porch and the front. Maybe it went a little overboard. I'm I'm very very festive this year. I feel like the last two years have kind of sucked for everybody. There's way too much negativity. I think let's just lean into the the overcompensation and just I think like starts. I think I put my Christmas trip the day after Halloween. I might change my answer about uh, living in the states. I feel like that's the biggest uh, adjustment. You guys just go overboard on everything. <laughs> everything is just... Have you gotten into like the National Lampoons type movies, Pete? Do you know what? Did you watch any of those no. over in the UK? Like, you need to watch Christmas Vacation. I, I the, okay. the holiday, watch it. Watch some holiday movies because I will tell you, as much as we say Pete Dunn, we don't see him smile a lot. There's one thing that will get Corey Graves to smile. Doesn't matter what's going on. It's Chevy Chase smacking a cheese sandwich on his chin. If Graves having a bad day, I send him that and he lights right up. Okay, I have no idea what you're talking about. So <laughs> you gotta watch it, man. You you got it. You know what? Next week at TV, you and I we're gonna sit for about ninety minutes, just watch a fast version of Christmas Story. You will look at me twelve minutes in and go, "You're mad." Okay, sounds awful. Yes, <laughs> it sounds absolutely horrible. <laughs> Uh, Pete, uh, again, to get back to the, the in-ring and, and your, your wrestling career, 
what what are your immediate goals for Pete Dunn? Again, we know you know you got guys to work with. You've already accomplished so much. Uh, what's what keeps you going? What more are you anxious to accomplish? So I guess the big one that's evaded me for a long time is the NXT title. Um, I've been lying if I said I, I don't feel like I deserve a run with that, and I feel like I could do great things with that. And obviously, it's something that I've I've been on the you know been right there so many times. So that's something I would love to accomplish in my career. And outside of that, it's just there's all these new guys now for me to work with and different scenarios to be in. So I'm just excited to see what the future holds, really. I, I kind of, with the way that I came into the company, I was always really goal-orientated getting here. But with the way I came into the company, opportunities just seem to present themselves. Um, so I've learned to just sort of take it as it comes now. When there's opportunities there, like, for, for example, being in the Royal Rumble or wrestling Adam at Survivor Series for the NXT title, these are things that I wouldn't have imagined were a possibility until they sort of unfold. And then I just make the most of them and, and put on the best performance I can. How do you keep that perspective? Because more often than not, when you talk to somebody that has accomplished what you have or, or even is breaking into the business, they always want more. They always want that next thing. And what you just said really struck me because you said you just take it as it comes. And, and you did have a very unique entry into the WWE lifestyle and whatnot, but how do you keep that perspective rather than just going, all right, I've already done that. I've already done this. I want to do something else. How do you keep that, that mentality? So I, I told myself the day that I signed the contract to, to change my mentality from that point, I didn't ever want to be somebody where at the end of it, I was like, oh, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. And I was unhappy with it. I try and tell myself, be happy with what you've done and anything else now is a bonus. But I'm still driven the same. I still work as hard as I ever did and obviously want more. But I also need to have some perspective and go, like an average kid from Birmingham, you know, this doesn't really happen every day. You don't make it this far, right? So I like to be to be proud of what, where I got to and have that perspective and keep that in mind. Um, and just enjoy what comes. And also having people there like Regal to talk to and they sort of keep that perspective for me too. Um, they're, they're the ones that remind me to be patient and, you know, they'll remind me how young I am and I've got so many years ahead and how far along I am for my age anyway, right? So it's good to have people like him there to just to just reassure me at times and keep me level-headed and keep, keep that perspective. Pete, we've had the conversations, whether it's been in the United Kingdom or here in the States, about uh, dream opponents. And I heard what you said earlier, but the one name that, I didn't hear that you and I have talked about Samoa Joe. And we know Samoa Joe, as soon as he came back to NXT, I immediately thought, oh, man, I couldn't wait to call Samoa Joe Pete Dunn. Is that still in the back of your mind, a showdown between you two? Yeah, for sure. And obviously, when he came back into NXT, we had those few stare-downs, and I thought, right, we're going in that direction. I can't wait to get in there. And Like I said, that, that era of like himself, you know, himself, AJ Styles, these are the guys that I grew up really watching and even before they made it to WWE. So that's another sort of dream match there for me. And I really think me and him would be a great match to the style, just like me. Um, and hopefully down the line, this is still an option. I, I would love it. I was going to say, I might have to, you know, make a few phone calls and, and get to uh, call, there it is. call that one. I knew where that one was headed. You know, it, it's <laughs> so cool, you know, Pete, and I want to say this, and I think Graves knows what I'm talking about. There's um, when, when we're sitting at the table and we're calling the shows, there's a story of a match, but there's always the story of what's in the match. And you do such a great job of helping me do my job with what you're doing so slow and methodical, whether it's bending back a finger, twisting a wrist, snarling. And I think that's some some part of the art form of what we do in this industry that's lost. And you do an amazing job of it. I just want to throw that out there. Thank you. That, that's my aim. Um, like I say, I like to keep things fairly simple in some respects and just draw out the most I can from that. And, and these are just little things I picked up along the way, different audiences in different parts of the world. A lot of times audiences where I remember one, I was wrestling in front of two people. It was no. uh, uh, like a For real? motorcycle festival and there was two people in the crowd. Um, and that was one of the first times that I did the did some of the finger bending type stuff. And being able to see up close just two people and the way that they cringed and react to that. You know, these are like little things I picked up along the way to go like, that works, you know? That's pretty great. You always keep that, yeah. So I have like loads of little things like that along the way, different audiences around the world and whatever else where just trial and error really to try and work out who I was as a performer because for many years it 
especially if you look back at different photos of me, I look like a different wrestler every time you see different gear or this or that. It just took me a while to figure out exactly who I was and be comfortable in that. But once I did, then it's literally been up, up, up from there. That's fantastic. I, I got to ask you, Pete. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in the UK in like the 07, 08, 09 era. So many guys have come through NXT UK that I've brushed up against or been on shows with. Did we ever run into each other in the UK before? I don't think we ever did. I, I wasn't sure because I, I I remember the first time I saw you, I think you were it was a tryout uh, in maybe London. And you guys were in the ring before TV that day. Glasgow. Is that was okay, Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I remember uh, Glasgow. Yeah. I remember the tattoo on your knee. So the, the bear you had tattooed from that day. And I was like, man, I I don't I, for some reason that that was familiar to me. So I didn't know if we'd ever been on the same show or done something like I mean, I'm way older than you. You were probably like 10 when I was over there. I was definitely wrestling when you were there. Yeah, oh, when I'm you sure. were there, I was definitely wrestling. <laughs> we we just we just wouldn't have been on the same level of shows. Back then there was one or two companies that stood out. Okay, yeah, because I remember at the time, everyone, all the, the UK indie guys were like, man, the scene's down, the scene's dead, it's really, really bad. And and we, I was working for that company, bringing in all the Americans and, and trying to, you know, inject some some life into something. So there's st still guys to this day, they're like, oh yeah, I met you, or we did this show and so-and-so in the working man's club in so-and-so town. I, I don't remember, that's why I, I figured I would ask. There was a, a clear separation in the UK. There was that company, maybe one of them, that were bringing in, name talent from elsewhere but there was no real homegrown talent that was sort of sticking and that was something i always wanted to change that's what we always talked about is how can we like make uk wrestling fans fans of uk performers and that was always the mindset to get ourselves to a level where you know we didn't have to bring americans in or japanese talent or whatever else to sell the tickets so that we could wrestle right it was a case of we want to be the guys that they need to come and see and eventually eventually i'm sure through the help of the internet and whatnot but we got there. And I think the real key to that was those years where, say, you would have been over there working those bigger shows. Myself, Mark Andrews, Trent Seven, Tyler. We were doing those shows. We were doing shows in front of 10 people, 20 people, 30 people. And that's the way that we just got better because it kind of didn't matter if we messed up and you could just watch your match back and over time get better. So by the time we were ready to be exposed to a big audience, we were ready to go. We'd been test tried and tested for 10 years prior, you know. Right, right. I'm noticing a recurring theme. The UK scene wasn't great, and you just went, all right, well, let's just make it great. Just like an NXT you said, all right, you know what? We we need to take this whole brand and elevate the whole thing. Pete Dunn raises all ships. That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm noticing. It's a great mentality to have. It's 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 probably too rare. Right, and with the UK too, if you look at, you know, if you look at that progress roster a few years ago, if you actually look at some of those shows and see where, all the talent on those shows have gone. Obviously, a lot of them being in NXT UK. I and mean, then, obviously, people like myself and Walter coming over here and, and doing a bit more. And then, even in other parts of the world, looking at the people who were on those shows and what they're doing, it really is a, a sort of crazy generation of, of talent that's sort of a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And it was just right place, right time. Like I say, we were, we were underexposed at that point. There's so many talented guys that just hadn't had a platform to do it on. And then, the progresses and the ICWs all came around at the right time with the right bunch of talent. And uh, yeah, it just, it just worked out for a lot of people. It's interesting to hear you talk about the, the British scene because Drew McIntyre always talked about it as well. And he wanted to revamp all that. And he always speaks very highly of you and, and bait and, and those guys of rejuvenating it and, and bringing it back to life. And NXT UK was fun for me because unlike Graves, I never got to go over to, Europe when I was doing independent things as, as a commentator. And when I got over there for the first time, it took me by surprise with how interactive the audience was. They didn't do anything outlandish. They sat there, they cheered, they booed. And it always sticks out as Zach Gibson when the crowd would take the shoes off. Like they just wanted to have fun. And that always speaks volume of me of the entire scene in general. I think that's something that helped me and Tyler so much, especially. And we have to be so grateful for that Blackpool audience in that original UK tournament because the one thing I always hear from from people in the States is they mention two things when they mention the UK. They mention the way the buildings look being completely different and the audience being so different. And obviously that audience in Blackpool were already familiar with who we were. I'm sure a lot of them were Progress fans that travelled and, and, and that kind of thing. So they really helped sort of shape our careers. If, if you take that, that those reactions out of it and the way those 
obviously people know that me and Tyler are talented, but that setting was perfect for us to make our debut. So yeah, it, I have a lot to, to owe to that audience and the UK fans in general. Like you say, they're, they're different, like the chants are different. There's different energy in the room. It's obviously my favorite place to wrestle, always will be. And and like I say, I'm I'm so grateful for where those fans have got me in my career. Well, you'll continue to make more fans throughout the rest of your career. We're all impressed with everything you've done. Keep doing what you're doing. Pete, good luck in all things NXT. Any final words for the ATB faithful? He shrugged, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> exactly what I wanted from my bruiser weight. <laughs> Seriously, Pete, thank you. You're always welcome. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm enjoying every second of it, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks again to Pete Dunn. Uh, Vic, I got to be honest. That was exactly what I wanted out of the bruiserweight. That's exactly what I expected. The fact that he shrugged when we asked if he had any final words. The genuine article, man. Everything is authentic about Pete Dunn. One of my favorites to watch. You know, I've, I've gotten a chance to be around Pete a lot, and I didn't know really what to expect. The way he is and was on with us just now, that's how he is every single day. You walk in NXT, you go, hey, Pete. He'll go, hey, mate. And he'll just keep walking. And then you ask him a question, he'll go, hmm. We'll give you the shrug and it's short answers. And he's just uh, to watch him in the ring. And, I'm, and I mean, I think you knew what I was talking about. Those little things he does yeah. that oh, performers knew, do, bending exactly back the finger. It, it helps us so much. And anyone that's watching can relate the bending back of finger. And I, and I think it just adds a whole new layer. in. so it's tasks off to him and everybody really from the Euro European independent scene over there and NXT UK. I'm very near and dear to that product. I love it. I hope if you're listening now, that you take a chance to go just watch some of the OG UK shows and catch up on the current product. NXT UK, you can find it on your WWE network on Peacock. Same place you can see day one, New Year's Day, the pay-per-view, January 1st. It is shaping up to be epic. We've got Reigns versus Lesnar announced. We've got, as of now, Big E, Rollins, KO for the WWE Championship the card's still continuing to grow. It'll flesh itself out over the next couple of weeks. You're not going to want to miss that one. Thank you for hanging out here on After the Bell. Make sure you follow us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Follow me at WWE Graves. Remember, say nice things to me lest you get oh, attacked. Yeah. Or I'm actually just getting tired of getting yelled at. You can find Vic at Vic Joseph WWE. He's much more tame on Twitter. Listen for free on Spotify. Just search after the bell. Hit that follow button so you never, ever miss an episode. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. My ring light just went out right on time. <laughs>